Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jessie, and we are starting off another session of the Library is Open podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Laura Wright, and she's joining us from Cornell University. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Jessie. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're excited to talk. I'm excited to talk, too. Yeah, great. Uh, so, Laura, give us a little bit of a background about you. Tell us about your uh, library world, your library life. Yeah, um, I am really excited actually to be speaking to you from Cornell University Library. I have been here for a little less than two months uh -huh. and uh, my position here is um, Assistant Director for Metadata Production, which okay. means I'm in charge of our cataloging. Um, okay. Metadata production is um, goes along with metadata design and operations. So if it sounds if it sounds weird, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I was here at Cornell, I was at the University of Colorado Boulder, and I was there for 19 years. Wow. And yeah, and, and it was a little amazing to me when I looked back when I decided to take this job or yeah. to apply for this job. Um, and I did a lot of different things over my career there. My For the last seven years, I was the Serials and E-Resources Cataloging Manager. Okay. But before that, I also worked with government documents. Okay. And I worked with maps, which was really fun. I got to catalog and do reference so I might help somebody find something one week that I'd cataloged a few weeks before that was really rewarding oh, that is so and rewarding it yeah and it also uh, it gave me some insight into thinking about how users use our metadata and not just thinking like a cataloger that's awesome to be in that position where you can actually use it rather than just always staying in you know in the technical side of things and having the reference people pass that back is just Living right. it too. Yeah. I would occasionally have a very real experience where I think, I know I cataloged this and I can't remember the title. And yeah. I would go back later and add more metadata, like a variant <sighs> title, so that I yeah. would be able to find my own resources that I'd described. High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What made you get into the library field? It was an accident. I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. I was um, I was getting my master's degree in writing and poetics. I'm okay. also a, a poet. Cool. And I, I wanted to work while I was doing that, but um, I wanted to be able to do something that would accommodate my schedule as a, as a grad student and somebody who want, needed to be doing a lot of reading and writing. And there was a student position at the, the library where I was in school. It was at the Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado. Awesome. And I remember in my first interview, I, I answered the question, why do you want to work in a library? The, the classic way I said, I like books. I think there was even the question about it. Um, yeah. they, hired, they hired me anyway. And <laughs> I very quickly realized it, I mean, it was sort of a, an epiphany for me that I'd finally found something that I liked to do. Yeah. That I was pretty good at and that somebody would actually pay me for <laughs> yeah oh. not that librarians make a lot of money but <laughs> yeah compared to poetry and music which was where I came from before <laughs> now have you been able to integrate poetry and music into your library career at all being in the academic world um, in a literal way, maybe not, but I feel like music and poetry both prepared me for cataloging yeah. mm -hmm. um, music because it teaches attention to detail mm -hmm. and as a as a musician you spend a lot of time sitting alone doing the same thing over and over again paying close attention yeah 
learning, finding ways not to get bored with the routine, finding ways to find pleasure even in the routine. Yeah. Um, and also patterns are really important in music. Yeah. And then with poetry, patterns are really important. And oddly enough, punctuation is really important. And punctuation is really important in cataloging. A hundred percent. Awesome. That's great. I, I, I got into the library world as an accident as well. I always knew I loved working with people. That's, that's the reason I got into it. I started out as a, I wanted to be a math teacher and uh, I got a job. Yeah. Working at the, uh, at the, the university where I was doing my undergrad and I loved it. I was in the periodicals department, just helping people and I fell in love and changed my major and here I am today. <laughs> so, yeah. My mom used to encourage me to think about working in a library when I was a teenager and I would say, oh, libraries give me headaches. <laughs> so I'm a classic case of I should have listened to my mom sooner. Oh, I love that. I love that. So talk to us a little bit. What, what caused the, the transition to move from Colorado all the way yes. to New York? Talk to us about that. Well, and that really relates to why I'm talking to you today, because yeah. it was folio. Awesome. Um, the last um, year and a half, I guess, I was at Colorado. Well, well let, let me back up a little. I, when I was doing serials and e-resources cataloging, I was doing more and more batch loading and batch processing okay. of mostly records for e-books. Okay. And I was playing around a lot with different ways we could efficiently work with metadata in large amounts and still make it usable for, for our patrons. Uh, how could we make local changes and protect them? How could we maybe easily identify things that we needed to have a human review? How could we easily mark things, something as simple as easily marking something as open access? Uh -huh. And at every step, I felt like the systems were holding me back. Yeah. And I would say, can we just have another, you know, make it basically another statistical code here. If I could just use a statistical code instead of this text string in a local field that I have to make sure is always consistent, that would be great. But we didn't have the ability to just add something right. like that. And we would go to a, a vendor and it doesn't matter who the vendor is. I don't want to vilify any vendors. Right. And, you know, it wasn't feasible for them to add this just for one library. Uh-huh. Um, or I wanted to be able to do very granular protection of local notes. Mm -hmm. And once again, the system just wasn't set up to do that. And a lot of what I wanted to do, I realized would, it was being, I was being held back by the architecture of the system. Most traditional ILSs are huge, huge relational databases. Mm -hmm. And I started digging into those tables. I, I learned a little SQL in order to try to better learn how to query and maybe get around some of my, my frustrations. Yeah. And I realized how incredibly complex the data were. Um, but it, they were all built on what libraries were doing 20, maybe even 30 years ago. Everything right. started with the Mark bibliographic data. And it was uh, these systems really developed around workflows mm -hmm. that libraries had in place for dealing with print resources. And libraries have changed so much. The information yeah. landscape has changed so much. But the fundamental structure of the ILS had begun in the way we used to do things. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't flexible. And I started thinking about, okay, well, if I, you know, if I could do whatever I wanted, what would I ask the vendors to do? And I thought, it's just, it's not economically feasible. 
Yeah. I can't imagine that libraries would be able to pay for what I think we need because our needs are going to keep changing. How do you ask somebody to build something flexible and you know, to meet needs you don't even have yet and completely rewrite all these systems and with the budgets we know libraries have? We don't have a lot of money. Right. We don't have a lot of financial resources, but mm -hmm. we do have people. And I started thinking, I, I used to joke with a coworker that we were going to quit working for two years, go learn to code, come back and make our own ILS. And um, I was also pretty vocal about my frustrations with our existing systems. Yeah. And one day our then head of libraries IT at University of Colorado Boulder walked into my office and she told me about Folio. She had just met Sebastian Hammer. Uh-huh. And she started telling me a little bit about it. And I think my eyes lit up. And at some point, we both started jumping up and down. And so she, she said, we, we would, we're, we're in, I'm interested in us becoming development partners. Are Ooh, you awesome. in? Are you committed? We need to have at least five people. And I, I, I said, I am all in. And I will recruit other people. And so I joined the Metadata Management Special Interest Group. OK, cool. And um, it took me, a, I think that was summer of 2017. I remember going back and listening to some recordings and being kind of tentative about sitting in on these meetings. Yeah. Um, but being the sort of person I am, which is sort of a, I, I can't, I can't not get involved with something when it really engages me. Um, so I started speaking up and I started making suggestions and I started jumping in and saying, well, I'll take care of that spreadsheet. Well, why don't we do it this way? And um, before I knew it, the convener and in, in Folio, each special interest group, which is around a functional area, so metadata management is the special interest group I'm part of, um, has a convener who is responsible for setting the agenda, communicating with the product owner, making sure we're moving forward, mm -hmm. giving the product owner the information they need to give the developers the information they need to build yeah. the tool. Uh, so the convener at the time asked me if I would co-convene. And she had to ask me several times. I kept saying no. And finally, she talked me into it. And unfortunately, not that long afterward, her, her institution went a different direction. She had to step back her involvement. And that's how I found myself being the convener of the metadata management SIG. Oh, and wow. Yeah. It, so it, it just kept progressing that I became more and more involved with Folio. Yeah. In the meantime, um, Boulder is a development partner but they aren't in a position right now, or they weren't when I left, to mm -hmm. be considering migration in the near future. Okay. So I was still working in the system I was working in, still being really frustrated in it, feeling really torn between the communities because everything I was talking about with Folio was purely hypothetical, uh -huh. which on some level I'm realizing was really a luxury. Yeah, to right. think about, oh, what should this do? Yeah. It's not going to affect me necessarily if it doesn't work, other than being really committed to this project. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, last December, I saw a job announcement. And actually, my, my now boss reached out to me and said, hey, you may have noticed this job announcement. Uh, might you be interested in applying? <laughs> and it was for the position I'm in now. So my, my job here is assistant director for metadata production but a big part of my job right now 
is to continue the work with the metadata management group mm -hmm. to to work on the development of the folio apps that are going to be affecting metadata, which is um, the inventory app, the Markcat app, um, the data import, okay, and also data export, which is just spinning up next week. Wow. Um, okay. And Cornell is um, tentatively planning for a July 2020 implementation. Wow. Um, we have a lot of questions right now. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's following this project knows there's been a lot of capacity planning going yeah. on lately and sort of buckling down and figuring out what can we actually get done by the end of this year mm -hmm. um, so that implementing libraries will have some time to work out bugs, to yep. start training, to make migration plans, all of that. So we're still waiting to see about a few things, and we've got some meetings next week where we're going to be very kind of ruthless about can we can we live with this? Yeah. We're n nobody's going to get everything they want day one. Can we survive with this? Are we going to be able to go ahead? Yeah. Which is, it's daunting. Now there are faces for the people that I know this is going to affect. Mm -hmm. you know, if we have to use a workaround for something, I know I know the people it's going to impact. Yeah. And it has a very different feeling, but it's also, I pinch myself some days. Like, I'm actually going to get to do this, the system that I dreamed of. Yeah. That I even joked about the idea that we might make our own system is actually going to happen. As you know, Chalmers is supposed to go live at the end of September. Yeah. And it's, it's like you wake up and you realize it wasn't a dream. Yeah. Oh, I have so many, so many questions that I am like <laughs> building up that I want to ask you. you. You gave us such a good like, you know, transition and timeline of what you've had. So my first one is I admire how you've worked in so many different roles that pertain really to the metadata and cataloging you know, and, and using this and being able to sit at the reference desk as we talked about and answer questions and then go back and develop that. And I, one thing I love about open source is the ability that you can work with so many different people. You can learn with so many different people. And that's the true beauty of it because it's sometimes in other <clears throat> atmospheres or in the other ILSs, you're not really, you don't have that communication benefit of being able to, you know, to talk with the development team or talk with other libraries that are using the same system and and talk to me about like how that has been rewarding in, in the folio sense you know because to me that's where the real benefit is you have a community that you can talk to and like share the same passion and those ideas that you have about building this dream you know lsp yeah and you can see my face light up when you yeah yeah I can, because I can. that really has been i mean aside from the fact that we we are building this set of tools that we're going to be able to use to do our job, the community in some ways is even more important. Yeah. I, even just sitting down with talking with other cataloging or metadata librarians all over the world about how we do our daily work and finding the commonalities and also finding different ways. For instance, the German libraries have implemented a, a particular field in our, an element in RDA, mm -hmm. nature of contents, in a different way than we have that I think is totally brilliant. Um, and, and learning from them about that, yeah. realizing we have some of the same frustrations. Sometimes 
listening to workflows and saying, what? You do that that way? Mm -hmm. and, sometimes, and sometimes, oh, wow, you do that that way. We need to do it that way. Yeah. Um, that has been an amazing experience. And, and also, the, being, part of it, being part of this community, I, you almost can't explain it. It's, it's a feeling where we really are all, we're all coming, we all have different motivations. Some people mm -hmm. in the community have been told by their library director that this is the way they're going. Yeah. Some people are really, really interested in, in innovation. Mm -hmm. Some people are much more concerned about how they're going to be able to communicate all these changes to the people they work with, but we're all yeah. committed to making it work. Yeah. And it's so much bigger than any one institution, yeah. any one organization. It's, I, I feel like it's, I hope it's bigger than the product itself. And I believe that it, it will be because you have those, you, it's sometimes it's hard to explain. Like you have that inner feeling where like you want your users to have the best access to the information, making it as easy as possible. You don't want them to have to go to multiple places. We talked about this earlier today, right? Yep. You don't want them to have to go to different platforms to search for e-resources versus yep. searching for print resources. You want them to be able to go to one place. You don't want to lose them because they're frustrated yep. and they can't find what they're looking for. You want them to be able to go there and to be able to build that and communicate with other libraries and say, How, what works best for you? What works best for you? And then bring that into one, you know, one platform. I mean, that's where I'm like getting chills talking about it because you, you know, you want it to be easy for them. And for our staff. Yeah. Uh, back to the systems that really were developed initially around managing print resources. Yeah. E-resources management is often completely external to the rest of the library platform, and e-resources management is complete. It's an integral part mm -hmm. of the folio environment, and the idea of being able to integrate that and come up with better ways to communicate these really messy situations, but make it yeah. easy, make it a lot easier for the people who are, say, troubleshooting why somebody can't access something. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So again, talking a little bit more about the community, I know we've bumped into each other at different, you know, conferences and things. And uh, tell us, where are you going next to talk? Any conferences coming up? WolfCon, I've of course. I will. I believe I'll be going to WolfCon before okay. then. Actually, in about a month, I'm going to the Callis Conference in okay. China. Wow. In yes. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm excited and nervous about that. And I, yeah. I'll be talking, going with one other member of the Folio community, and we're going to be talking about Folio. Awesome. And I'm, I still haven't decided exactly what I'm talking about because I want to touch on something. I want to talk about what I'm excited about and also some of the things that aren't happening because I want to be realistic. Um, and I'm still waiting to see a, a few things that I think we're going to be able to do in the really near future yeah. um, that I think are, are really innovative, uh, introducing sort of different structures of data. Mm -hmm. um, one, one thing that's exciting to me about Folio is that, that the core of bibliographic data within the Folio ecosystem is not any single 
metadata format. We didn't mm -hmm. build it around Mark. We built yes, it to right. bring in Mark to bring it to potentially bring in any be able to map in any metadata format. So, so That's I right. will be talking about that, and I'm trying to I'm trying to learn a few words in Chinese in the meantime. Yeah, that's great. That is so great. <laughs> it is. Thinking back to um, to uh, the face to face meeting we had yeah. uh, in June, I think, mm -hmm. in Washington D.C. Uh, that and WolfCon this last year, um, it was incredible to me to to meet people that I've been in, I'm in Zoom meetings with these people every uh -huh. week. And then to meet them for the first or second time in, in real life. Uh, it's like we're old friends who haven't met yet. We've struggled through this stuff together and sometimes we've argued over things, agonized over things. And sometimes we've just, um, you know, sort of joined together complaining about how we can't do things the way we want to in our existing systems. Yeah. Uh, it, it's an it's a really unique connection mm -hmm. to have with somebody to to know them that well before you've actually met them. Yeah, I mean, again, we come back to that's the beauty of the community. You know, you make these relationships with people all over the world who are using this open source platform, and when you do get to meet them in person, it's like you are meeting a old friend. Yeah, it's like it's. <laughs> It's kind of, you know, the, the, the young people these days, <laughs> they say that. <laughs> I mean, I, people talk about tribe. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that whole identity thing, but, but it is kind of, a, you're, we have, we share these really strong values. Yes. That, yes. that we're committed to, to the, it, we're committed to innovation and we're committed to creating and sharing tools and solutions. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and the sharing is really important. Yeah, 100%. That's one of the biggest things that I value. We, we just experienced this the other day on one of our listservs. We were talking about a API integration and just to see our partners communicate back and forth and say, this is what we use for our library. This is what works best. You know, and just sharing those ideas, it was like, you know, getting into like 15 threads long. And I, that's what I love about that you know, that nature of being able to just easily share, share that information with each other. This is and what that, works great. Yeah. And that takes me back to my vision of why I don't think that commercial ILSs are that viable because mm -hmm. really what we need is to be able to have one person at one library figure out the solution and then just be able to share it with everybody yep. else who can then just tweak it a little Yep. rather than have to recreate it. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Laura, you have just been so inspiring this morning. I, this, is, this is great being able to talk to you. You gave us a real good background on you know, what you're doing and where things are going, and we're looking forward to following you in the Folio community. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, keep us abreast with where you're uh, presenting. We'd love to see. I will do that. All right. You have a great weekend, Laura. And to all our listeners out there, thanks for listening to another uh, session of The Library is Open. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Jesse.